The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. I always say it, and I always mean it. This is the future of the future with Game Changers Radio. What's the buzz on the street? Well, I found an interesting quote from the famous coach John Wooden. Listen to this one. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. We'll just let that one sit on the table. So what are we talking about? A technical University of Munich study recently revealed a significant significant skills gap. That's right, a gap in the skills, you know what that means, that could hamper the ability of businesses all over the world to compete. That is a huge statement. It's significant and it needs to be thought about. How bad is it? Well, in this study, 83% of respondents said their companies are missing the skills required for digital transformation. And it gets worse than that. I'm going to tell you that 73% said their executives lack the required tech skills. Now, think about leadership. If the executives don't have it, how are you going to say that the rest of the workforce needs it? So, not too good. But is there any good news? Yes, there is. Digital transformation is changing and speeding up how we learn new skills. We're talking about social learning. We're talking about, we love this one, gamification. We're talking about micro-learning, learning hubs, and individualization. Some of these terms may be familiar to you and some may be not, but we're going to learn together from our stellar panelists today. Let me just tell you who they are before I introduce them. First up on the panel, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Bernd Wells, W-E-L-Z, Executive Vice President and Global Head of Scale Enablement and Transformation in SAPSE. Joining him on the panel will be Karen Kirby, she spells her first name K-A-R-A-N if you're looking her up, an associate partner in the IBM Global SAP Success Factors Practice at IBM. And rounding out the panel is our favorite futurist in the whole world. How could we do a show about the future without him? It's Gray Scott. He's a techno philosopher. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very exciting. An emergency technology expert, and he's the founder and CEO of Serious Wonder. Com. So let's go back and introduce Dr. Byrne Wells. Uh, Dr. Wells, I'm just going to call him Burns because I think we're good friends now, has sent me a quote from John Maynard Keynes. Let me give you a little background on Keynes. He was also known as the first Baron Keynes with the letter CBFBA, lots of letters there. He lived from 1883 to 1946. He was an English economist whose idea 
is fundamentally change the theory and practice of macroeconomics and the economic policies of governments. In the 1930s, Keynes spearheaded a revolution in economic thinking, challenging the ideas of neoclassical economics that held that free world, free markets would, in the short to medium term, automatically provide full employment as long as workers were flexible in their wage demands. Let's just stop it there. Here's the quote Burned has selected from Mr. Keynes. The difficulty lies not so much in developing new ideas as in escaping from old ones. Burned Wells, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. We're thrilled to have you on the show, and I know this is your introduction to Game Changers, so I hope it's going to be good for you. We're just delighted. Very interesting quote you picked from John Maynard Keats. Why don't you help us relate that to our topic? We're talking about learning. We're talking about a learning revolution through digital transformation. Burns, go ahead. Sure. Well, uh, I picked the quote. I think it's more relevant than ever. We are in the middle of a revolution that's, that's going on. And so digital technologies, exponential technologies, not just digital, also uh, biotechnologies, other technologies are changing the world quite fast. Um, our problems as societies are growing also quite fast, so we really need to speed up to solve these problems and use exponential technologies to do that. And learning is, is, is certainly the prerequisite to, uh, to, to overcome all of these challenges. Now, the, the problem is that the, the mind of humans is very conservative, and we, we rather think along incremental improvements than radical change. And that's what, what Jane, uh, John Keynes was referring to. It's, it's, of course, we can come up with new ideas. Of course, we can rethink the future. But what's holding us back is very often what we know today, the world that we know today. Thank you, Bernd. Uh, let me just ask a question before I introduce Karen Kirby with her quote. The question is, do you think the world is ready for this optimized, this accelerated learning? Do you think that leaders are aware? Because of the quote I just mentioned from this study, the Technical University of Munich study, Bernd, if, if 70% of the respondents, more than 70%, said their executives lack the tech skills, and my thought about the fact that it, leadership has has to embrace, they have to acknowledge, they have to be aware, they have to be part of this this sea of change, if you will. Do you think there's a difficulty in bringing all of this good stuff on board for learning if the executives aren't there yet? Well, the good thing is, I mean, there's a, there, the study revealed that the skill gap is big, and that is, mm-hmm. that is frightening big, to be honest. And my, mm-hmm. I mean, my message is you, we, we need to do something about it today. If, if you're responsible for a company and you're not sure which technology will uh, help you to survive also in the future, to, to thrive in the future, you should not wait until everything is figured out, but start your learning, your skill development plan today. There there's not that much time left, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is good about the study result is that people are aware that there is a skills gap. We should be even more worried if, let's say, 90% of the business executives had said, you know, we have, we have all the skills and the digital skills that we need. We, we don't need to learn anymore. I mean, that would be, that would be a real disaster. So there's, there's also some hope, I think, in the study uh, because there is a, a broad awareness. Now, of course, awareness needs to lead to action. And that's, uh, that's my mantra here. Now, get active now. 
Thank you very much. So we have a call to action here. Usually I do the call to action at the red at the end of the show burn, but we're doing it in the beginning here. Now, as you say, there's not much time left. (laughs) I don't know whose time clock you're on, but let's just use that. Let's just use that urgency. I like that. We're going to be urgent on the show today. Thank you so much, Burn. Welcome to the show. And now let's introduce Karen Kirby, associate partner in the IBM Global SAP Success Factors Practice. And Karen has sent me a quote from Gandhi. Now, those of you who know him as Mahatma Gandhi, well, you're not quite right because his given name is Mohandas Karam Shand Gandhi. He lived from 1869 to 1948. He was the preeminent leader of the Indian independence movement in British-ruled India, and he used nonviolent civil disobedience to lead India to independence, and he inspired worldwide movements for freedom and civil rights. And let me tell you where the Mahatma comes in. It's a Sanskrit word for high-souled or venerable. First applied to Gandhi in 1914 in South Africa. He is also called Bapu, B-A-P-U, which in Gwajarati means in endearment for father or papa in India. He is unofficially called the father of the nation and called G-A-N-D-H-I-J-I, Gandhiji. There you go. And here's the beautiful quote Karen has selected from Gandhi. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. I love that. Now, we just had Byrne put a time limit. We got to do it fast and it's urgent. And Karen, now you're saying that Gandhi says, live forever and learn as though you're living forever. So, Karen, welcome to the show. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. Okay. So, the reason this quote is important to me is that we all have bucket lists, and on our bucket list are things that we want to do personally, and there are things that we want to do in our professional lives. So we should constantly be looking at that list and saying to ourselves, if I only had six months to live, what would I want to do? What is important to me? And then continually learning. So learning not only keeps us involved, keeps us uh, makes us grow, b- makes us become a better person, but it also keeps us younger. So whatever you want to do in your professional life, you should continually be growing those skills and using those skills to develop yourself and make yourself more marketable and more critical to the corporation. Karen, interesting perspective. You use the word you and yourself and responsible. And when we opened, I was talking to Burned about the leaders in the study who aren't even of the respondents. Over 70% of their leaders are not technically astute or aware of what they need to know in the era of digital transformation. So where do you think that balance lies, Karen? The balance between what's the corporate responsibility, the corporate we, as we like to say, or the collective we. Uh, we will learn today. We will go to a micro learning class, we will learn about gamification. We will help you improve your skills versus I, John Smith, Jane Smith, or whatever your last name is, I'm going to take responsibility. Where do you think that balance is, Karen? Well, I think each one of us has a responsibility to continue learning and to continue growing. Whether you're an executive in a corporation and leading a corporation, the only way you can continue growing and learning is knowing what is out there, what are the trends, what are the shortfalls, and you yourself need to learn so that you can promote that learning within your organization and grow your organization. 
Thank you very much, Karen. Thoughtful response. Glad to have you on the show. Lovely to meet you. And Grace Scott, you're back. My goodness, you're you're <laughs> such a regular. We got to give you a regular key to the executive whatever we have on Game Changers. Grace Scott, futurist, techno philosopher, emerging technology expert, perfect for this. And thanks for joining us on short notice. And Gray has sent an amazing quote from Pablo Picasso. You're not going to believe this quote. Uh, Picasso, whose full name was Pablo Ruiz y Picasso, known as Pablo, lived from 1881 to 1973, so he was there on the cutting edge of computerization. He was a Spanish painter, a sculptor, a printmaker, a ceramicist, a stage designer, a poet, a playwright, who spent most of his life, his adult life, in France. He was the co-founder of the Cubist Movement, and those of you who have been either born too late to know who he is or living under a rock, uh, Picasso's most famous proto-Cubist works were Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, 1907, still hanging in at least a couple of museums, or at least pictures of it you can find online, and Guernica, 1937, a portrayal of the bombing of Guernica by the German and Italian air forces during the Spanish Civil War. One more factoid here. Picasso, Henri Matisse, and Marcel Duchamp are regarded as the three artists who most defined revolutionary developments in the plastic arts in the opening decades of the 20th century, responsible for developments in painting, sculpture, printmaking, and ceramics. And I think we can safely say Monsieur Picasso was a renaissance man in every sense of the world. Here is word and the world. Here is the quote Gray has picked. Gray, I can't believe this quote from Picasso. Computers <laughs> are useless. They can only give you answers. Gray, how have you been? Uh, I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. We're delighted. So, And uh, shout out to Brad Borkin, who is listening online. Uh, Brad invited you, and he said, I bet Gray would love this topic, and here you are. <laughs> so, Gray, Picasso talking about computers, I'm speechless. Well, I'm never speechless, but well, how did you find this quote? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I love the irony of what he's saying, and it's obviously um, it's important to remember that curiosity is one of the most important uh, ingredients when we talk about learning, right? So the other part of this is to think about how change is cosmic. Uh, it is always happening. You know, technology is changing, our businesses are changing, our lives are changing. And so to be curious in that process is the most important thing. And I think that's sort of where this, this quote uh, rings true, is that it, it's not about the answers. It's about teaching ourselves to ask better questions and relevant questions for this, this period of change that we're going through. Relevant questions. Who, who decides, is this a relevance? And just going back to my comment with Bernd about the executives and needing to catch up at the executive level leadership and my question to Karen Kirby at IBM about the balance. So who decides relevant? Is it a, an employee saying, gee, today I'd like to learn XYZ when I go home from work. I'm going to log on. I'm going to Google this topic and that topic and I'll be that much smarter tomorrow. And they go to work and say the next day and say, gee, that really isn't going to help me with my job, but it was really cool, and I could put it on Facebook, and I could put it on Twitter, and I could say, mm -hmm. look, I'm really a cool beans person, and I know this and that. <laughs> where, where does the, forgive me, where does the relevance come in? Who decides the object, the subjectivity of that relevance, Gray? Well, I think it's important today to be an expert generalist, um, and that goes for CEOs and employees, because the world has become so diversified and decentralized that 
more people know more things now. And so you have to be able to relate, as a CEO especially, you have to be able to relate to some of the, the new technologies, the new digital transformations that are happening. For example, um, virtual reality. We know that the web mm-hmm. is going to be virtual in the future. And so CEOs that have no uh, understanding of virtual reality or how it works, that's a problem, right? So they don't have to be an expert in virtual reality, but they do have to be a generalist expert in that field. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now let's circle back to Dr. Bernd Wells. Bernd, I want to know where, this is a personal part of the show, Bernd. I think I warned you on our prep call that we were going to get a little personal with you. Where are you calling from or where would you normally be calling from? I think you're traveling right now. And what's in your cup today? What are you drinking right now that energizes you or what would you rather be drinking later? Bernd? <laughs> sure, Bernie. I'm, I'm in Palo Alto today at the SAP offices. But normally I am in uh, Waldorf, Germany, in uh, SAP's headquarters. So what what do I have in my cup today? To be honest, I have a very strong coffee with me here. But what I normally do as the as the first cup in the morning is a tea of jasmine tea. With mm. a cup of jasmine tea, I really love jasmine tea. And that goes back, uh, I think now, 15 years ago almost, when I was on vacation with my family in the Black Forest in a little hotel where, which was run by uh, a group of very young enthusiasts about, you know, organic food, mindfulness, et cetera, et cetera. So there, were, there was meditation in the morning, and then every meal was special and, mm. and mindful. So by having a, a cup of jasmine tea, that kind of calmness and meditation, at least for a few seconds, comes back to me. I, I love that you mentioned it, Bernd. I took the liberty of Googling it, and there are actually lists of health benefits online of jasmine tea. Includes a reduced risk of heart attacks, a stronger <laughs> immune get this, a stronger immune system, and the prevention of diabetes. It also helps prevent cancer while reducing stress, improves digestive processes, and lowers cholesterol. You are a really healthy person, Bernd, because you drink jasmine tea. I'm delighted. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go get a box of jasmine tea right after the show because I want to be as healthy as that. And the calm, oh, wouldn't that be delightful? What can I tell you? Calm is not part of the world of live radio, and we'll just talk about that another time. Thank you, Bern, for your thoughtful answer. Karen Kirby, where are you today, and what's in your cup, or what are you dreaming about drinking later? I am actually in Corning, New York today. Um, normally, I am in Orlando, Florida, but today I'm in the state of New York. So what is in my cup? It's Starbucks dark roast coffee. And the reason I like that is it has that strong, bold flavor, and that helps get me going in the morning. But not only is the coffee important, my cup is important to me. So I like seasonal cups. So as the season changes, I change my mug, my cup. It has to make me smile. And in the summer, when there really isn't a season, I have three different cups that I use depending on my mood. One is a cup with Mickey Mouse on it that reminds me of when I worked for the Walt Disney Corporation. Another one is uh, a trip that I got a trip to Alaska, I picked up the mug, so it reminds me of that trip and the time that we spent with friends. And then the third cup has baby turtles, so a friend and I were able to help researchers release those turtles into the ocean. So my cup has to make me smile in the morning. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. Helping release the baby turtles, that's doing the world some good. There had to be some learning new skills in there, Karen. What did you actually have to do? Did you release them from nets or from a some kind of a cage or a keeping device? Or how, what did you do? Did you say, go, little turtles, go out into the water. That's where your mommy is. What did you do? So we actually helped the researcher dig them up out of the nest. Um, this was an experienced person that taught us what to do, how to handle them, and then they saved them until the evening, and the turtles, they go into the water. They follow the moon, the light from the moon reflecting on the water. So in the evening, they allowed us to help release them into the ocean, and they follow that light. It's a very incredible experience. Lovely. Thank you for sharing it. I've never had somebody relate their coffee to their mug to turtles, and I love the connections there. You just made some new neuro pathways in my brain just listening to your story. Thank you, Karen. And Gray Scott, we'd love to know. Are you in New York today, Gray? I'm in New York, and it's kind of raining. Are you in the same place? No, actually, Bonnie, I'm in Connecticut. Uh, I'm just on the last week of my uh, August vacation, so I'm here in Connecticut. Well, welcome to Connecticut, and I'm taking care of New York for you, so no worries there. So what are you drinking today, Gray, or what are you thinking about drinking later? So I'm actually having uh, iced tea with uh, homemade ice cubes. We we have a herb garden in the back. I've been growing organic uh, sweet mint, and so what Ooh. you do is you get extra large um, ice trays, and you cut all of your mint during the summer, and you put lemon wedges and the mint, and you freeze that so that you have uh, these beautiful ice cubes all through winter. I love that. Wow. Mm. When you say homemade ice cubes, is there a, a different, well, rather than buying from the bin at the back of the grocery store, you know, five pounds of ice for what, $3.29? I don't know why you don't usually mm-hmm. buy it. I like, <laughs> do you use special distilled water or a special kind of water for your ice cubes? Yeah, it's filtered water, and I've been experimenting with different herbs. Um, I've also been freezing, uh, you know, the rosemary and that sort of thing in ice cube trays with olive oil. So you have fresh um, rosemary whenever you're cooking throughout the winter as well. Ooh, I have a bumper crop of basil in my garden on my terrace here outside my, my office, and I'm wondering if I should do something like that with the basil. I'll talk to you another time about that. Very, very interesting. <laughs> what would Picasso say? We'll just leave him out of this conversation. We have been working our panelists very hard. Our topic today here on the Future of the Future with Game Changers Radio is Knowledge Fuels Digital Transformation Fuels a Learning Revolution. I'm learning today a lot with my panelists, Dr. Burns. Wells at SAP, Karen Kirby at IBM, and Gray Scott at the World of the Futurist. Normally in New York, now in Connecticut. Burn, uh, Gray is just taking t- taking the trip on the road there. We have a lot more to talk about. And remember my opening quote from Coach John Wooden is, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. So if you think you know it all and you're listening, ah, I know all that. No, you don't. We're going to help you learn some more as we develop this conversation. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back in just about a minute. Jason out. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. 
Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to The Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. Welcome back. You are listening to Future of the Future with Game Changers Radio. Very important topic today. It impacts everyone in our listening audience. We know there are hundreds of thousands of you listening to us all over the world, either live or on demand, and we're delighted to have you in our living room, our virtual living room, as it were, where we're having a very lively conversation. The topic today is knowledge fuels digital transformation, fuels a learning revolution. My special guests are Dr. Burned Wells, W-E-L-Z, if you want to Look him up at SAP, Executive VP and Global Head of Scale Enablement and Transformation. We're also joined by Karen Kirby, an associate partner in the IBM Global SAP Success Factors practice at IBM. And our favorite futurist in the whole world, Gray Scott, techno philosopher, <laughs> CEO, and he always laughs when I said that, founder and CEO of SeriousWonder.com. We're going to start the roundtable conversation now in earnest, as my mother likes to say. I said, I met a man named Ernest. She said, was he sincere? We'll leave that one alone. Mom's going to be 100 in a few few months and she can say anything she wants. And so here's where Burned has told me he wants to start the conversation. He says his message to business leaders is start with the skill transformation today. Let me just read a little more here, Burns. A new global study by Oxford Economics, they've been on our shows, reveals that key elements of digitization are top of mind for executives and employees and an increasing investment in digital skills is among the primary areas of focus for senior leaders to Today, Burn Wells. Let's get started, please. True. Thanks, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, let's get started, and that's exactly also the message here to the business leaders. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. There's, there's, there's several. Uh, well, I know the call to action comes last, but I I, I can't stop uh, 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 saying it as a call to action here. So, I think for business leaders, we said that before in the first part of the show, they need to become uh, technically literate. Right. They don't mm-hmm. have to be an expert in all of the fields, as Gray as well said, with the VR example, but you can't talk about it. You cannot imagine what these new digital technologies can do unless you have a certain knowledge. So, so the first thing that business leaders need to do is look at their own education. And, and, and it's not hard to get. It might be embarrassing for some uh, you know, C-level guys to go back to school or ask some questions, but there, is, but there is ways to do that. For example, on OpenSAP, our platform, we, we offer courses that also have show you the basics of, of digital technology. So that's, that's point number one. Then mm-hmm. secondly, business leaders 
and that goes back to my quote here with forgetting the ideas, the old ideas, that's the, that's the problem, not the new ideas. Um, they need to change their attitude to technology training. Technology training in a classical setup comes very, very late in the process. So a business mm-hmm. leader would define, the business strategy would define, and here's the operating model that we have, and here are the processes, and now we select a technology that supports all of that, okay? And then somewhere on the way, you pick then a vendor, for example, SAP, and then you send your people off to training, but not before. So technology training typically came very, very last in the process. Now, digital transformation, getting rid of, you know, the old ideas, inventing new business models, you need your organization get ready and, and knowledgeable about new technologies even before you know that you actually want to use them. Okay, and that's a new thinking. That's a new thinking required here from, from business leaders. So you cannot say, oh, we, we wait until we have everything sorted out and there's a mm-hmm. clear plan and a rollout plan and then just before we want to use it, we send a technical guide to training. No, no, that's a no-go in the future. At least to a certain extent, you need to train the entire organization on new technologies. Uh, some of them you may use them in the future, Others, you don't, but then for good reasons, because, you know, the, the, the people, the workforce knows what they are talking about. So unlearn this idea that technology training comes last. That's, that's the second uh, uh, message here I have. And then the third one, training really needs to be continuous. And that's why I also mm-hmm. like the quote from Gandhi here that uh, uh, Karen has, has put out here. It's an ongoing process. So the digital strategy of a company will evolve over time. It will, it will change. It will become more concrete in certain aspects. And then you always have to go back to your skill development plan. So it's a continuous thing. It's a living thing. It's not a one-time effort and say, okay, for the next six months, we all focus on learning digital. And then we are fully digitally enabled for the next what year, five years, or I can tell you, it's not even, not even for a month because there's so much innovation coming out. Technology is changing so fast these days that also mm-hmm. your learning plan has to be very dynamic and incorporate new things that are popping up in the market very, very quickly. Thank you, Bern. Very interesting answer. And I just want to add something before I bring Karen Kirby and Grace Scott into the conversation to talk about your, your very interesting points. I just Googled digital transformation just for the heck of it, just to see if there's a one sentence, very simple explanation. And there is. And see if you agree with this, Bern. Wikipedia, my best friend, free encyclopedia, says digital transformation is the changes associated with the application of digital technology in all aspects of human society. And that's what I wanted you to comment on, Byrne, because we're talking in the business context. We're talking leaders. We're talking ability to compete, ability to lead your workforce, ability to be sustainable and productive and profitable, and all those good business terms. But the bigger definition is it's impacting all aspects of human society. And I know Gray will have something to say about that. Byrne, do you agree with this definition before we move on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's bigger than just a business conversation, and I think that makes it even more important for our listeners to understand we're not just talking about your bottom line. We're talking about everybody, human society, culture, civilization all over the world. It is big, and it's here. Thank you, Byrne. Karen Kirby, love to have you comment on what Byrne shared with us. 
Uh, thank you, Bonnie. And, yes, I totally agree with everything Burns said. As we move forward, uh, the C-suite need to understand what are the growing trends out there. They need to continually be learning, looking at their strategy. Where do they want to go? What is it going to take for them to get their employees up to speed? The actual technology and the learning piece of that does come at the end. There's a lot in front of that about the processes, what are we going to do, and what is out there in the business industry that we need to focus on, where do we need to lead our organization. Thank you very much, very much. And, Gray, love to have your thoughts. And, Gray, specifically, did you agree with the Wikipedia definition, the digital technology being applied to all aspects of human society, so it's what the business is, the ripple effect, if you will. What are your thoughts on that, Gray? I do agree with that definition, and I think uh, we've talked about this before. I've been calling it the cultural echoes. Um, mm-hmm. Businesses respond to those cultural echoes, right? When, when a new trend emerges uh, or when a new technology emerges, a lot of times it's out of, out of uh, innovation, right? So someone in their basement decided to change the world. They invent something, and then they, because things are so decentralized now and uh, we have access to putting our ideas out on the Internet immediately, um, businesses can respond to that, societies can respond to that. So if, you know, there's this, there's this idea now that you can create something, put it out within the hour on, on, on the Internet, and mm-hmm. people either upvote or downvote, like on Reddit, they can respond to that, and if it trends, then that's a new business model. And so I think any digital um, movement that we see in our culture, business has to respond to that. Change, ha- you know, CEOs have to be ready to, to grab hold of those things and, uh, you know, surf. I love the idea of surfing. It's a mm-hmm. great metaphor for this. Surfing the digital transformation. That's right. When the wave comes in, you got to be ready to catch it, ride it, and you don't want to drown in it. That is a great metaphor. Thank you. Uh, Bern, I'm going to circle back to you to wrap up this topic. And my question for you, Bern, is agility. Is it the enemy or the friend of the people in the C-suite when you have, as Grace said, anybody can put out an idea, an hour later they find out, is it trending, is it viral, is it the next wave, is it, oh, my God, go back to your cave and don't talk about that anymore, or yes. How do leaders respond if they're this long learning plan? How do you be agility? Uh, how do you be agile in your company so that it, if you even want to be that agile? Burned, any thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. From a learning perspective, it's, uh, it's, it, it's not enough just to be prepared skill-wise from, from the perspective of today. So how the business works today and what is, what is maybe required next week. So you, you have to take a much longer-term perspective as a business leader today when it comes to skills and learning. Uh, skill building takes some time and uh, it's uh, uh, almost as hard to change as, as, as culture. Um, so to invest upfront in, in the future, to have a vision that sees beyond the horizon, I think that's a challenge that business leaders have today. And agility can only be achieved if, if the skill base of your employees is really broad enough also maybe to cover the unexpected. Um, so preparing mm-hmm. the workforce, not just for today, but for tomorrow, and then maybe even beyond that, I think that's, that's the key challenge that uh, business leaders have to face today. 
Thank you. Great answer. And Bernd, I have to mention to our listeners that you, among your many responsibilities at SAP, you lead the cloud learning services known as Open SAP. That's our MOOC, our massive online courses. Bernd, I don't know if you know, but I just introduced Susan Solovic, the small business expert, the in capitals, to Claudia Wellers, Claudia Weller and Rob Nichols. And she is doing a class that's uh, being taped right now. Actually, they just finished filming it called Women Build Outrageously successful businesses from scratch and I had the privilege of being at the SAP New York office yesterday to interview Susan whom I've known for many years and to do the teaser video that will be sent out to over 400,000 people in the Open SAP MOOC community, the subscribers, if you will, to introduce Susan and talk about what she's going to be speaking about in the class. And we were very careful to say, even though the course is women build outrageously successful businesses from scratch, it's for men too. Did you know about that course yet, Bernd? <laughs> yes, no, I heard about it, but I wasn't aware that you are uh, uh, that you are active there and even taped the video for it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, Claudia Weller tapped me. She said, we have so many interesting people on Game Changers. Did I want to recommend a few people? And I, I sent out a blast to a couple of people, including Susan Solovic, and she jumped at the chance. And this is her first course, and she's even suggested a follow-up. So there. Yeah, we've got some really good people we're bringing in through Game Changers. So I was delighted to do that, and I, I'm glad you now know that I was involved in that. I think it's a fabulous idea. So I guess a lot of people will be seeing, seeing me soon. Hello. Um, uh, Karen Kirby, it's time for us to move into some of your near and dear topics from your list here. Let's talk about predictive analytics. Very interesting point you bring up in your notes to me before the show. You said, can predictive analytics help corporations make better decisions on what learning to offer? You say that corporations are starting to use predictive to help make decisions about their workforce, to understand the growing trends, the skill shortfalls, which we talked about in the opening, and the learning requirements. Here's the key. Karen, to retain existing employees. Karen, why don't you explore this for us, please? Yeah, so it's very important for not only corporations to attract top talent, but to retain their top talent. So with um, predictive analytics and tools that provide that, they can not only look at the structured data that is within their organization, but they can look at the unstructured data that's out there on the Internet to Explore what are the trends, where do I need to look at training my employees, and will that help retain those employees, how do I keep those employees, what training do I need to provide to those employees that can help them keep their skills up to date. So by using these tools and looking at what are those growing trends, what are the shortfalls within their organization, where do they have gaps, can they provide that training, those journey maps to their employees so that they can get their skills not only up to date, but that they can keep those skills up to date so that they can keep those employees and attract new employees. Very, very interesting. We talk often, Karen, on many of our Game Changer shows about that M generation, those millennials, and it always intrigues me that the leading edge of that demographic cohort, if you will, is almost 35 years old. They're not babies anymore. And we talk about their values in looking for companies that where they want to work. They're looking for good attitudes about society. They're looking for sustainable plans for helping cultures grow and become healthy and strong and making everybody part of part of a good, healthy, growing economy. So when we talk about existing employees, what about attracting those younger 
le- the, the trailing edge millennials, if you will. Is this something if, if you read a job description and you were, let's say, in your early mid-20s, you're coming out of graduate school, first job, and you say, wow, I just read about this cool company and they've got this ongoing learning process, they've got gamification, and they want to may- help their employees become agile thinkers and lifelong learners. That's the kind of company I want to work for because I want to be there long enough to get those benefits. Do you think that would be something that would attract the younger millennials or whoever comes after them, Karen? Oh, absolutely. And when you talk to the millennials, they do want to learn. They do want to contribute to a corporation. And they want to know where they fit within that corporation. Where do their skills, what's the value of their skills within that corporation? So even though that is important to the non-millennials, when you talk to the millennials, those things are still important to them. They do want to continue learning. They do want to continue growing. And CEOs in the C-suite can use predictive analytics to see what those trends are and how do they attract those millennials and keep them, what's important to them. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Karen. And Gray Scott, I'm sure you have something to say about everything and all of the above we've been talking about with Karen. Then we'll bring in Burnt in a minute. So, Gray, what do you think about using predictive to find where the learning trends are, what you need to be helping your organization learn and grow? What do you think? And millennials, of course. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with using predictive data uh, to sort of mine where the culture is moving um, and what's important to uh, each new generation. And it's interesting because those trends sort of, um, they rely on each other, right? So there's a continuum within this idea. So the, the trend that was important last year is also embedded in what's happening now. Uh, it, it changes, of course, but then there's parts of that trend and that predictive data can sort of uh, find those, those, uh, that information that there's a relevance to why they want the social interaction or the, 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 the millennials want that, that type of work environment. There's a reason for that. And so some of that predictive data, if we look uh, deeper into it, you can see what those reasons are, right? The environment has been a huge issue uh, for the last uh, five or six years in the media, and the millennials are responding to that. So they want to work at companies um, that have that in the back of their minds. Like they want to work with companies that are socially responsible, that are responsible uh, and taking care of the environment. And so that was a trend that was, was sort of apparent five years ago, but the, there are new trends that are emerging that are even more important now. And that predictive data, uh, and, and some of it is very simple, and CEOs can really use some very simple tools to, to find these ideas. I mean, Twitter is one of the best places to find what's trending. And if you, if you scroll down on, on Twitter and look at the bottom of the trending list, that's usually you know, where you start to see these things emerging. And it happens very quickly. It can happen within a matter of hours. Journalist Bruce Horowitz thought it might be off-putting, but the term Generation Z gained popularity after a 2014 presentation titled Meet Generation Z. Forget everything you learned about millennials. And it was presented by the New York advertising agency Sparks and Honey, there you go. Just a little bit of uh, societal trivia. Burned Wells, love to have you comment on what Karen talked about and Gray Attitude, predictive analytics in terms of learning trends. What do you think? 
No, that's definitely a, a very important topic, and I also fully agree that uh, the way an employer today handles um, education or ongoing learning in a company is a key factor how, well, millennials, but, but frankly, uh, everyone is, is selecting in the future an employer. Uh, we, we see that over and over again also with our ecosystem here around SAP. There are millions of people working with, with SAP software. And as we have been innovating so much during the recent years, uh, there, there's a huge, huge interest now to, to uh, uh, update your skills, basically. And we, we hear it from customers that their employees are really demanding now to learn about the new stuff and, and you know, how can they keep up uh, their skills and do we as SAP have the right offers and they love open SAP, they love uh, the learning hub because that allows them to, to uh, learn on a continuous basis. Um, there is also more guidance, I think, expected going forward. What to learn? There's, there's no doubt about it. And, and predictive analytics is a wonderful tool here to uh, to really get to those insights, fact based, and and not just you know by uh, uh, gut feel or, or or whatever. So yeah, I, I fully agree with the statements there. Thank you very much. Uh, Karen, I'll give you just a minute if you want to wrap this one up. Any comments on what Gray and Byrne just added? Um, just that we all agree that using analytics can help CEOs determine where to go, what the trends are. Um, it's very important, and honestly, that's the only way they're going to survive is knowing what's coming in the future and preparing for it. Thank you very, very much. And I want to bring in a very provocative topic here from Gray Scott. He always brings in very provocative. Here we go. He says, in the near future, we will upload knowledge directly to our brains. Burned, I hope this doesn't scare you. And Karen, I hope this doesn't scare you. But this is the kind of cutting edge or leading edge information we get from Gray Scott. That's why he's our favorite futurist. He says, AI, artificial intelligence, will replace most knowledge workers in the future. What? We will ask the AI to resolve an issue or complete a task. Gray, I want you to take this one because I don't want to be the one to break the news to everyone. So what's <laughs> happening here? I don't want to take responsibility for this. Well, we know that artificial intelligence, we already have artificial intelligence all around us now uh, in the digital world. And that's something that was sort of a hurdle for uh, corporations and CEOs to get past is to really understand that this was coming. And now we're sort of way past that. Now we're into uh, a place that's way beyond AI, we're, we're looking at predictive AI. And I'm glad that we brought this up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, part, of, part of what's happening is, is that the, the neuro um, revolution is happening. You know, the brain is the next frontier, right? So we are going to interface directly with the Internet in the future. Brain-computer interface will be the way that we operate uh, the web. And so... It, it won't be that you go to a, a, a computer and type in on a keyboard and ask questions. You will have thought transfer. This is already happening in the lab, uh, laboratories mm. around the world. You will think of a question, and you will get the feedback directly uh, into your brain. Now, it sounds scary, and it sounds like science fiction, but these things are already happening. Um, when, when we think of the speed of how things are changing, a lot of futurists have been saying that we've been way too conservative with our predictions. I mean, even Ray Kurzweil has said he's moved up his predictions for the singularity to around 
2035, it was 2045. And so we're at the beginning of this AI revolution, this neuro revolution, and we will interface and learn directly uh, through this interface, the brain-computer interface in the future. Thank you. And you just referenced Ray Kurzweil. Those of our listeners who are not familiar, just go to Singularity Hub, S-I-N-G-U-L-A-R-I-T-Y-H-U-B dot com slash 2015. The article is Ray Kurzweil, K-U-R-Z-W-A-I-L, mind-boggling predictions for the next 25 years. It was written by, oh my goodness, Peter Diamandis on January 26th last year, 2015. And he says, in my new book, Bold, one of the interviews I'm most excited about is with my good friend, Ray Kurzweil, the best, well, Bill Gates calls Ray the best person I know at predicting the future of artificial intelligence and a lot more. Interesting reference. Thank you, Gray. Bernd, are you uh, familiar with Ray Kurzweil and, and anything about these predictions? Or talk to me oh, about yeah, the Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, what, what's your uh, yeah. thought about that and AI? I, I, I just came back from the Global Summit of the Singularity University, which was held in San Francisco last week. So yes, no, I'm 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 familiar with it. Um, I think there are. I mean, I'm not a futurist, <laughs> so I don't I, I I don't make bad long-term predictions. I think there are things coming which we cannot imagine now, and and I uh, I fully believe Gray here. You know, things are possible in the lab today, and then it's just a, a question of making them more mature and and, and more scaling. Um, I think for now we still have to, you know, work and learn as we do today. And there's a lot we can do before we even have direct transfer of knowledge into our brain with, with the digital learning, blended learning, etc. Learning, what, what we learned when we introduced our digital learning channels is also that learning is a social process. Mm-hmm. Um, so people learn best when they do it in groups or when they are connected to other learners where they can exchange questions, where they can exchange just opinions of, of what they've been learning. So it's, it's, there's also emotional component to it. So uh, until then, I think there's, there's still a lot of improvement uh, how we learn by just leveraging these digital technologies and, and, and adopting new, uh, new learning um, uh, paradigms here before we do direct insert in, into our brain. Um, uh, and we certainly cannot wait. I have to co- come back to my call to action from the beginning. Let's not mm-hmm. wait until the, the direct uh, transfer of knowledge into the brain is ready, and then we think about uh, learning about digital transformation and digital technologies. We, have, we still have to start now. Bernd, you just unofficially started the crystal ball predictions round, and I thank you for that because you were talking future. That's where I wanted to go with it. Thank you. So I, I'm going to say backwards, Bernd, I'm giving you 60 seconds for your predictions. Oh, the future happened. It's in the past already. Thank you, Bernd. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you, you, you read my mind. And, and Gray, when we get to you, I have your prediction already picked out. I'll tell you what I want you to say because it's in the notes and it's fabulous. Karen Kirby, 60 seconds. Tell me what do you see in the future if we met again what would be different about this conversation Karen at IBM what would be different about this conversation well as um, Gray was predicting it's it will be totally different if you're telling me that um, you're going to put information straight into my brain then what are I thinking what am I doing where is the world going and I as a leader need to think about that so um, I need to be up to date with what's coming and what we're doing and how to 
how to transfer that information to my employees. Thank you very Oh, there's information transfer. I think we're going to have to go into some kind of a transporter room. I'm seeing Spock. I'm channeling Spock. I want the ears. Let's just leave that. No, I don't want his ears. I want to see them. Let's just leave that. Gray Scott, I, I, looking in your notes here, here's something fabulous. They say five years out, no need to memorize things. Tell us why. This is an amazing prediction. I'll tell you why. Gray, I'll give you 60 seconds for this. Go ahead. Well, You'll have predictive uh, artificial intelligence that will know what you're going to ask before you even ask the question. We've talked about this before. And that is the kind of digital transformation. It turns us into digital hunters. Uh, we will become knowledge hunters, um, curiosity hunters. That, that's where I think it's going in the future. Thank you. The reason I'm so interested in this is I recently became a playwright and I filmed my plays for TV for my cable TV show rather than for stage work. And I'm working with some older actors who are having trouble not only reading the script, but memorizing. Memorizing is really, really tough. So when you say no need mm. to memorize, when you could call any factor AI code, it will. I'm wondering if I could take the script and put it as a knowledge hunting exercise <laughs> into the brain of my actors and they'll just stand there and say blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, wow, who wrote those great words? Oh, it was me. I want to know if I can knowledge transfer right into the brains of my actors, but you and I have to have that conversation over a cup of jasmine tea and Karen and Byrne, you're both invited to join us. I want to say thank you to both of you and thank you to Brad Borkin at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel for our episode of Future of the Future with Game Changers Radio. Byrne Wells, you are a busy guy. You are very smart and very dedicated to learning and I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. It's been a real privilege to have you here and to get to know you and thank you for your great thought leadership and words of wisdom for SAP and for our show. I appreciate that. Karen Kirby, a pleasure to meet you. Loved your answers and your concepts and very, very happy to have you part of this. And Gray Scott, what can I say? I'm sure you'll be on a Game Changers in the future. Gray just keeps bouncing back like a good penny because he's got such provocative ideas and that's what we like to give our global audience here on Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Jason and Michael at the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com.
The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.